Today's a sad day for the Toronto Raptors. They have now fallen to 1 in 5 on the season. And there are a few different takeaways that I can go from. For me, I feel like I'm just hammering down the same points after every single game. Number one, you're too dependent on the three-pointer. You need to get some other off-ball actions, cut to the basket, and get easy looks. And we saw this play out in this game. When the Raptors were hot, they were up 17-5 to in the first quarter. And when they got cold, before you knew it, it was 36-36. And from there, Toronto essentially got blown out of what was a, ended up being a 12-point loss, but should have been a 20-point loss. And now the Raptors, looking at their record, have a, the second worst record in the NBA behind only the Detroit Pistons, who are 1-6. and six. And that means 28 other teams have been playing better than the Toronto Raptors, have a better record, and some notable ones are the New York Knicks, who are 4-3, and three, Cavs with the same record as them as well. And... To me, that's just unacceptable for the Toronto Raptors who haven't had the hardest schedule in the NBA. They've played the Pelicans twice who have a 4-3 and three record, but if Toronto had won one and two of those games, they'd have an under 500 record. As well as Philly and Boston who are a couple of the tough games they had, but in my mind, they should have beat the Spurs and they beat the Knicks. So... Toronto should be somewhere closer to something like a 4-2 and two record if they really put things together. But unfortunately, they haven't been able to figure out their issues. And now the one thing that I complimented, which was their defensive intensity, their ability to get out in transition was something we didn't even see them do really well this tonight because Toronto wasn't doing those things. Their defense allowed for over 120 points in this game and when you look at the numbers you just think wow there are too many problems with this Raptor squad to pinpoint one specific issue and that concerns me moving forward for the rest of the season because you want you know independent issues that can be solved in two three four five games not Issues that are more complicated, that are so hard to understand, that are so, have so many different layers that you won't be able to figure it out. And for Toronto, that's exactly where they're at right now. Once again, it's only 1-5. in five. Still very early on the season, but it's fair to be disappointed. It's fair to be upset about their performance up to now because we expected this Raptors team to be as good probably slightly worse than last season's team, which was a depreciated team from the 2019 playoffs, of course. But we're seeing how valuable Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol were for this team. And Aaron Baines hasn't been cutting it. He's shooting under 20% from three. And if you watch the games, you'll see he can't grab a rebound for the life of him. He was overhyped coming into Toronto, and now the expectations are that he's a starting level center, which, whether or not that's true, he hasn't lived up to. That's just the facts. It's unfortunate because Toronto doesn't have any real backup. 
Chris Boucher is a good, very solid bench piece and can come in, generate offense, grab offensive rebounds. And believe it or not, it's probably one of their best rebounders per 36. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I bet you that him and Siakam are probably their two best rebounders, which is disappointing because Aaron Baines is seven feet tall. Um, And in Phoenix, he proved that he could shoot the three ball too. But since he came to Toronto, there's been this difference in his game from what he was last season. And that's a little concerning. Maybe it's just a slump. And Toronto's bench hasn't been as good as it's been in past years. Something that they thrived on was the ability to play 10 deep. And Nick Nurse hasn't been able to do that. He's been playing 7, 8 deep maybe. And is trying to give guys reps. Trying to put out Malachi Flynn tonight. And trying to give guys some rope to at least perform. And show that they can give something on offense. Because that's where Toronto really struggles. Is the ability to create shots, get open looks, and actually hit those shots. They can do it in spurts, right? They did it right off the bat in the game today. They did it really early in every single game this year. They've had a double-digit lead every single game. And they've lost five out of six of them. So what does that say about the Toronto Raptors? That I'm not sure is that it has to be an inconsistency with their roster and with their ability to score. And actually, one important thing I want to touch on is their ability to control a team and force them to shoot outside jumpers and how it actually went negatively and poorly in this game. What Toronto would do is they'd blitz two of their players. Right, specifically, they blitzed Jalen Brown and Tatum when they were either in the post, driving into the paint, and Toronto did the the pack-the-paint sort of situation, hoping that Boston would miss their three-pointers. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Boston shot over 50% from three and ended up giving Toronto a lot of issues there because one thing that Toronto has always been really good at defensively is the ability to rotate when you double a guy, when you blitz them off a pick and roll like they did with Tatum and Brown today, your ability to run to the open guy and cause them to have second thoughts about taking that open three is really what they are good at doing and something that they've thrived on against Philly in 2019, especially Milwaukee too, a team that's a three-point barrage type team. And with Tatum and Brown out there, You think, oh, you know, these other guys aren't a real threat. Like Grant Williams isn't going to cook you, but he did. He was hitting his threes at a really effective rate when he watched the game. He was hitting timely open threes. And when Toronto would blitz, when Toronto would double, they paid the price. So they have to find a different means of controlling Tatum and Brown. And I'll even mention they did not control Tatum. He still shot had a career-high 41 points. So (laughs) I don't think what they were doing worked in any sense of the word, and that's why they did so bad today. I think there is some credit, though, to Fred VanVleet, who played amazing. He scored 35 points on the night, had six assists as well. He really did come through for them in terms of hitting his shots all throughout the game, especially early. He was super hot out the gate and helped them get to that 
massive 12-point lead right off the bat. He couldn't give it to them for 48 minutes because that's just not impossible, right? He can't shoot at that efficient rate for the whole game. You need other guys to contribute. And when you look at Kyle Lowry, when you look at Pascal Siakam, they gave you a decent amount on top of that to supplement it, right? Between those three guys, you're looking at somewhere in the 70 to 80 point range. But where are you going to get those extra 35 points to win the game? And how can you also control the defense? And they didn't really get anything from Powell, from Terrence Davis, from any of those guys in meaningful minutes. So the question is, where does Toronto go from here? A lot of fans are overreacting and want them to blow it up. And you got to take this game by game and realize it's a long season. They've had, I would say, like a 6 out of 10 on the difficulty scale to start this year. From being at a lot of, being playing a lot of these games on the road, right, with all the travel and not sleeping in your own bed. To now when you go to your home court, you have to play in front of fans who are cheering for every team but the one that you're in because they just want to see the team they like. These are Florida people. They're not Raptor fans. They just come to see players they like, you know, the Tatum, the Browns. They just come to see Zion. That's who the fans are. And so when you're at home, you even have a disadvantage. So Toronto's in this interesting situation where you're almost better off not even having fans in there because they're just cheering for the other team. It's a very unique situation. This is not something that we've ever seen in NBA history, (laughs) not having home court, unless you count the Clippers when they play the Lakers, but, you know, not going to count that. So it's very interesting. And like I said, what should Toronto do? There's really three courses of action today that they could do is A, trade for a superstar. Terrible idea. Ruin your future. Mortgaging assets to compete for a title. It's a very short-term way to look at it, and it'll end up with long-term negative effects on the team. And as a result, it's not a good idea. Number two, rebuild. Also a very drastic situation. Are you willing to part with Kyle Lowry? Are you willing to part with some of those other pieces like Baines, guys who are those vets? I mean, I know a lot of you are probably saying, I don't give a fuck if Baines is gone or not, but, you know, Kyle Lowry is a really big piece there that Toronto could get some stuff back for, right? He has championship pedigree. He's still an all-star caliber player at his peak. So... There's some trade value and some assets there, but are you willing to part with them? That's the question. And for me, uh, Lowry's more of a token player for Toronto down the stretch of his career here at 34 years old. So I'd rather not trade him. I'd rather just keep this crew together, play it out. And this is where part C comes in. Just do nothing. Wait it out. See what happens. As a fan, you got to be patient because there's a lot of different things Toronto could do. There's a lot of different things Toronto should do. But at the end of the day, if you're making a decision that will mortgage your future, it doesn't make much sense. And the Pascal Siakam fiasco is a short-term issue. He's more talented than he's proven on the court this season so far. And he's got the tools in the tool bag. He just has to sharpen them. That's the fact. If, If he can sharpen his dribbling and his ball handling, his game will open up so much. The three balls there... The driving layup is there. The, the post game is still also needs some sharpening. But that kind of comes with the dribbling and the ability 
to work on your footwork and stuff that you know takes years to develop and remember he was 17 when he picked up a basketball and he's now only 26 so he's only has nine basketball years under his belt he's still got a lot of learning to do and whether or not you believe it he's still a raw player and I hate to do this comparison but LaMelo Ball is a raw player not NBA ready and I'm not saying Pascal's not NBA ready he's second team all NBA last year he was an all-star he won most approved player he's an amazing player but He's still raw when you consider the amount of years he's put into his game. And therefore, he can improve more than he has up to this point. He can be more than just 23 points per game in an all-star. He could be a superstar. He might not seem like it now, but I think you have to have hope, Raptor fans, that he can at least go back to what he did in the 2019-2020 season pre-bubble. At least have that kind of level of hope and have that confidence in him because number one he works hard and a hard worker will inevitably push through the odds and get through slumps like this even though this is a long jevis slump it's a long ass slump for a player but he'll get through it he'll push through it but once again you've got another road um, sort of games coming up here right you've got Sacramento and you've got Phoenix on Wednesday so a couple games that are winnable the Phoenix Suns are a great team but winnable right Boston's winnable you can win these games it's just a regular season game at the end of the day and if you can beat a team like that who's five and two is proven that hey they're legit they're pretty legit if you can beat that team then that instills a lot of confidence in your defense and likely instills confidence in your your team as well, and I think it's a good matchup for Siakam too, because you know Mikael Bridges, though a good defender, um, I think that he can give him some problems on that end, and I think that Siakam can really step up in that game, and we need to see the role players push through too, right? Norman Powell is going under the radar because Siakam gets all the blame pushed to him, but man, oh man, I'm telling you, Norman Powell has been playing terrible this year. Probably the worst out of everyone in terms of what he produced last season to what he's producing now. At least Siakam's given you 65 to 70% of what he did last year. Norman Powell's given you maybe like 30 to 50% of what he did last year. He's averaging like half as many points and he's shooting like 30 something percent from the field from almost 50% last year. He's in a real slump and needs to get out of this ASAP for Toronto to improve. And OG Ananobi needs to be better too. These are the complementary pieces that have to produce consistently. And they've been very inconsistent up to this point. Anyway, that's my little rant. Thank you guys for listening. I'm sure that I'll be coming back with hopefully a more positive podcast if the Raptors can get past, you know, the Suns get a win. Prove to me that, hey, your defense is at least consistent. And hopefully some shots fall. Thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. Five stars only. This is a new mic, so I'm sure this is going to sound clean. But thanks again for listening. I'll see you on the other side.